Start the Week with Tim and Damo on the Unmade Podcast. Welcome back. I'm Damien Francis. And I'm Tim Burrows. Today is 10 turning a corner. Talking down the price of the AFL rights. And can Adland make room for the introverts? Unmade. So, Damo, I've been getting some feedback from people. They think we talk too much about Formula One at the start of these chats because we've always just been up in the middle of the night watching it just before we record it. So, um, so how are you? I'm well, thanks. And I like feedback, Tim. I enjoy fe- We both enjoy feedback. I'm not sure I enjoy that feedback so much, but I, I get the point. <laughs> it's probably quite fair. I'm very well, thanks. I'm not necessarily going to say what I was doing last night around 11 p.m. How are you? <laughs> well, similarly sleep deprived to yourself because, yes, I did decide to um, just watch the start of the Grand Prix at 11 and then the next thing I knew it was still 1.30 in the morning and I was wide awake. Um, but my main issue this morning is I think I've ended up with a homeopathic cup of coffee. I... I I've just realised, because I can hardly taste my coffee. You know those machines where you put the capsule in? Yes, I have one. And I've got a bit of a cheap one, and I really do need coffee that was sonning. I think I left an old capsule in. Oh, that's And deadly. I've basically just got this kind of just grey cup mm. that I didn't really notice until I took it down with me. So um, I don't think I'm even going to be doing this with the benefit of caffeine. It's an absolutely horrendous sip when you take that that first sip of greyish kind of cold day old coffee. And that's the way my week is starting. And more to the point, where shall we start this week? So, Tim, why don't we start with sports uh, and 10, particularly because there's a bit of connection between the ratings and one of the sporting events that 10 covered over the weekend in terms of football. This was covered in The Australian, and it goes right back to the ratings woes that we've been talking about a bit this year with 10. Uh, Why don't you bring us up to date? Yeah, so this is a piece, as you say, in The the Australian, who um, run their main media section on a Monday, as our listeners will know. Um, The way that they've covered... um, uh, Seven's uh, adventures this week. Um, they've gone with headline English Premier League soccer friendly fails to fix Network 10's ratings woes uh, and points out that um, not great viewership. 4.8% share of viewers on um, uh, Saturday night for 10, and that was um, carrying a, um, a, a, a an EPL English Premier League friendly to Manchester United and Aston Villa. Now, I must admit, that to me doesn't sound like it's ever going to be ratings goal. They're big teams, but there's nothing at stake in a friendly. So just because they happen to be in Australia for it doesn't does, does, doesn't necessarily rate. So, um, and it is a bit, you know, it's part of the ongoing theme, I suppose, of 10 seeming to struggle at the weekends with their, with their sport. But I must admit, I, I think there's a bigger story going on for, for 10 at the moment. Um, one of the, uh, the, the the pieces of sort of data that comes out at the weekend or a visual, visualization is provided each week by Nine, where 
they kind of create an information graphic about the performance of the three main networks. They don't include the BBC and SB, BBC. <laughs> Something was in England. They don't. They don't include the ABC. It must be the, uh, the thoughts of Premiership football teams and all. They don't include the ABC and, and SBS. Um, and it's worth a look at that because it, it follows ongoing. So, um, so firstly, if you. It, if you look at overall share, um, which is in their sort of the first pie chart that they, they share, and Dame and I have both got these on our screen, so we can look at it. What's absolutely fascinating to me is if you look at 25 to 54 share, which is the key advertising demographic, you know, the one where the, the battleground really is, 10 have had a great week. One of the better ones, they um, they actually pushed seven network down into um, into third place for network share in 25.54. Um, nine still comfortably won it. Um, and in 16.39s, it was an even bigger story because 10 was only 0.2 uh, percentage points behind nine's share. So 10 was on 34% nine on 34.2 and then seven back on 31.8 that's on 1639 so the ones skewing um skewing a bit bit younger but again a very advertising friendly demographic and remembering that's just the three-way share between the three networks um so that and then in total people you know 10 is still further further behind but um that's it's been a while since 10 have been that competitive. Now, that's for network share across all the channels. Um, you then turn to the the graph for primary channel share. And again, once you go into 2554s, it's been a good week for 10, at the very least competitive. So still third. You've got um, on 2554, you've, you've, you've got nine winning it for 24.8% share, then seven with 224 and then just behind again, 10 on 22.3. So um, that tells part of the story. Um, the next part of the story, though, is where we sort of begin to think about the woes of 10, I suppose, and the, the story that the Australian talks about this morning, which is when you look at the primary channel share by day, um, 10 is really in the battle at the start of the week, kind of on the, on the Sunday, the Monday, maybe the Tuesday. But then as each day go, goes by, the share falls, which in big, in, in, in major part is because uh, seven has got AFL and nine's got NRL towards the end of the week. And that's when um, 10 falls away. But we, but we actually saw, and I can't remember the last time this happened, on the 18th, which would have been Monday, 10 one the day in total people for primary channel. And that is so long since that happened. Um, and when you then turn to 2554, I absolutely stormed it and, and, and won both Monday and Tuesday. So again, this is, this is new. And the reason, in one word, is hunted. It's the new reality show they've got has been, well... It's it's hard to say what a hit is these days. Um, like the headline overnight ratings, and all, there's always you know lots of catch up ratings for Hunted. The total people on Monday of seven hundred and eleven thousand. Now in the olden days that would have been a resigning number. These days it's a hit. 
Um, but I've, I haven't seen a table like this for 10 in so long. If you look at the top 10 shows in 25-54, and remember that's the key advertising battleground, number one show was from 10. Have you been paying attention? Number two, Hunted, Monday episode. Number three, Hunted, launch episode. Number four, Hunted, the Tuesday episode. First look in nine gets is for nine news on the Sunday. Number six, and remember this is in 2554s, the cheap seats from 10. You then have to go down to seven and eight for episodes of seven news. And um, nine and 10 are episodes of Beauty and the Geek from nine. So all of a sudden, after a long time in the wilderness, it looks to me like 10 is finally getting a little bit competitive. Yeah, I mean, look, the interesting thing there, you mentioned the top 10 shows, 25 to 54s, but that top four for the 16 to 39s is also exactly the same, the the, the 10 shows taking out the, the top four. Now, one of the other interesting things that, that you actually pointed out to me was um, that if you look at the year-to-date performance for 10, um, from a very low base, uh, but it is trending upwards. There, it's not necessarily the absolutely uh, devastating news that perhaps we've heard uh, from different areas uh, of the industry. Do, do you, you know, do you see some positivity in that? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm looking at that graph again now. And if you look at both primary channel performance and total network performance, so let's let's focus on primary channel performance for now. Again, when you look at that graph, it was just appalling for 10 at the start of the year, you know, right in the very, the very, the very first week of the ratings year, which actually sneaks back into the, the end of 2021. 10's um, primary channel performance was 13.1% share for that first week. Um, meanwhile, 9 was on 24%, 24.5%. And seven was on twenty seven point three percent. So they were, you know, they were absolutely dwarfing um, ten. But what what what's not as easy a story to tell week in and week out? You've got to look on a graph. Is there's just this? If you had to draw a line, there's a steady upwards line. So you go a few weeks later, and in February, ten was on a thirteen point five percent share. Then a few weeks later. 10 was on a 15.9% share. Then a few weeks later again, it's on a 18.5% share. Um, a few weeks later, we're into kind of June there, 21.3. And then the week just gone, 22.3. So this is all, as I say, in 25, uh, 54s. So uh, 10 has just had its best week of the year pretty much, certainly since the official rating season began for that week so um so yeah like you know on the one hand one single show doesn't make a network but on the other if we go back a a dozen years or so the moment the turnaround for 10 came last time was MasterChef so you know I suspect that Hunted may not have quite the legs of MasterChef but for now this is um this was a really great week for 10. Now, just keeping on 10 uh, quickly uh, as we round this one out, but uh, one of the flagship shows, obviously, and has been for a while for, for them is The Project. 
and there's a fair bit going on there at the moment, uh, Tim, but, but one thing in particular you've picked out. Yeah, looking again in the Australian, the media diary, they make the point that, um, as they describe it, the chaos surrounding Lisa Wilkinson and the project continues. Um, and there is something really odd going on because I think for legal reasons, I won't go too much into the comments she made, but she's made some comments after um, winning a Logie um, on stage, um, which um, had some legal ramifications. And she then sort of got shunted off to the US to apparently be doing some interviews. Um, and then she suddenly reappeared last night, again, without much fanfare. Um, it yeah, which the 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 Australian describes it as a, a a surprise return to the host desk, um, and again, what seems odd is that she's going to come back for a brief period of time and then go on holiday. Is how um, uh, the uh, Australians reporting it for most of August. So it's it's hard to work out how much of an asset Lisa Wilkinson is to the project at the moment. Maybe it's just a bit of a, a marketing flaw and they didn't hype it up enough. I, I, I don't know, because that uh, Aston Villa and Manchester match, uh, I swear there wasn't any hype around that either. But one thing they have marketed extremely well and, and probably one of the uh, sadder uh, topics of the year for 10 in particular uh, is, of course, coming up soon. Yes, uh, you refer, of course, to Neighbours, um, which uh, airs its final episode on Thursday night. And yet again, 10 have really marketed that one very well. Um, they've been drip-dripping out the kind of the, um, the, 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 the superstars who are making little contributions, which I guess a lot of them, hey, look, I think they're just coming in with a you know, with a, with a quick zoom, but um, but yeah, again, and, and a lot more important today is from the Australian. Actually, I notice um, uh, the Australian has a has another little nugget. They went out over the weekend as a press release that Margot Robbie will be joining the likes of Kylie Minogue, Jason Donovan, and Guy Pearce contributing to the last uh, the last episode, which is apparently um, another wedding for Toadfish. Um, but also, the Australian ads today, um, Holly Valance. Um, and Natalie and Brulia are both going to contribute as well. So I think Thursday will be a huge exit for Neighbours. I must admit, if I'm if I'm around now, where will I be? Oh no, I won't. I'll be on a plane. I'm going to be. I'm having a quick trip into Sydney on Thursday, and I'll be heading back towards Tasmania at the time. But um, maybe I'll catch it in the uh, the. the, the in in the lounge if uh, Qantas can be persuaded to switch the channel. Well, I'll certainly be watching, but coming up next, has the AFL missed its moment? Unmade. After a lot of hype about big rights deals for the AFL, uh, the Australian has a slightly different take today, Tim. Yeah, a lot can happen in a few weeks. I've got two stories from the Australian Open. Um, in front of me. One is from July the 2nd and one is from today uh, or last night. It was posted uh, in the evening of July the 24th. Now it's the 25th. Um, So back on July the 2nd, the Australian was reporting that Network 10 and their owners, uh, Paramount, are launching what would amount to a $3 billion bid for AFL. 
Um, today, there's a very different angle from a different journalist, um, this time James Madden, the Australian's media editor, um, who reports the AFL's hopes of securing a record-breaking sum for its television broadcast rights are looking increasingly shaky with the sinking advertising market coupled with provincial attitudes to free-to-air coverage of the sport in Western Australia, likely to diminish the value of the final contract. Dare I ask, Tim, what's a provincial attitude? Look, I... I and it's, that's not really explained fully in, um, uh, in, in, in the piece. I guess the question I ask myself is, okay, where has this come from? And, of course, it wouldn't be, you know, an unreasonable assumption that um, the Australian's journalists are um, close to the management at News Corp, which, of course, is the majority owner of Foxtel, which is one of the other bidders for the rights. Um, And if I think about how previous sporting rights negotiations have been covered, some of the negotiation does tend to take place on the pages of at least the Australian, if not the News Corp tabloids. You know, I think about um, the time the NRL did a very quick deal with Nine and wrong-footed um, uh, Foxtel on the pay TV rights, and they absolutely went to war with Dave Smith, who was the CEO at the time of NRL, and it was just day after day of like relentless trashing of him. And eventually he moved on and eventually the deal was, was done to give Foxtel some of what they wanted. So I do find myself when I see a sudden U-turn like this thinking, okay, why all of a sudden is a signal being sent from somebody within News Corp, because I'm guessing that's what the source was, that the negotiations are taking place too slowly and the rights are falling and something must must be going on right now. So my guess is that um, Foxtel are getting quite anxious about maintaining their rights and would like a deal to be done sooner rather than later. Um, could be wrong. Could simply be, a, you know innocent passerby who's just concerned about uh, the fact that the advertising market is falling. Um, but, um, but yeah, look, I, I have a hunch that a signal is being sent to the AFL today. And if I were to put you on the spot, in your personal opinion, do you think that it's taken too long or is this just a standard uh, in terms of sports rights? Oh, look, we've got a long time until these rights kick in, so there's plenty of time, you know, the... Do you know, funny enough, the one the delay that's puzzling me more is we're now t- just two years out from the next Olympics, and we still don't know who's going to be the rights holder for um, for Paris. You know, um, that that's one that really seems to have dragged on. I've got a bit of a hunch we might we might get. I'm sure a bit of a local deadline for that will be um, the upfronts, which are now only a kind of month or two away. Um, but yeah, no, there's a bit of time yet. The, the main deadline at the moment for AFL seems to be um, uh, um, Gil McLaughlin, the, um, the um, CEO of AFL, um, due to step down um, in a few months' time. Someone tends to get it wrapped up before he does. Um, but yeah, I, no, I don't think they're taking too long. Um, not so far anyway. Up next, can Adland make room for the quiet people? So we're a few days on from um, the Create Space 
census, which was looking at diversity and inclusion in the advertising industry, released by the Advertising Council of Australia. Uh, today, Dentsu Creatives CEO, Kirsty Muddle, has uh, offered her own view in the Australian about making room for introverts. Um, Damo, um, what was Kirsty's argument? Yeah, that's right, Tim. Uh, we're making room for the quiet revolutionaries. Um, they're on the rise, but they need safety and psychological safety more than anything else. That was uh, a part of the crux of Kirsty's uh, opinion piece in, uh, surprise, The Australian. Uh, and it was a it was a really interesting one, particularly in the wake of, of as you say, the Create Space uh, census that that was revealed a, a bit over a week ago. She talks about the intention of of building teams with different life experience and skills, and and that's what you know essentially makes uh, the industry better at recognizing problems and, and offering creative solutions. Uh, but but she also highlights some of the the challenges that the industry has with that, uh, not least the, the hierarchical structure that I guess we've all kind of grown up with uh, in, in ad land. Uh, you know, you only have to look at the, the different agency levels, um, you know, from AMs to, to senior AMs into ADs to, to GADs, et cetera, et cetera. And there's a very hierarchical structure in that which hasn't necessarily, uh, you know, allowed um, the the creative d- discussions and opinions uh, to flow, and, and she points out that you know there are communities that we have in in uh, the economy which which do allow this. You know, the, the tech industry, for example, particularly with the the startups sort of uh, owning the flat structures and and the you know the, the challenges that they they have and and the opportunities that that they bring. But she also points out something quite interesting, which was um, you know that. In Australia, there, there's often a, a bit of a, uh, I guess, a, a habit or or a, a, an idea that we're all a little bit shouty or we hate losing and, and we want to be the boss. Um, and, and that doesn't really gel extremely well with um, you know, providing the, the opportunity for, you know, these, these introverts, uh, the quiet revolutionaries, uh, as I was saying before, to really get their point across and, and have a safe space uh, to share that, that information. Why is this important now? Well, Kirsty suggests that, you know, in the economic uh, challenges that we're having at the moment, which seem like they're only uh, going to get more challenging, you know, this is the time where we need to, uh, to really foster innovation um, and and drive the industry and and, and its clients uh, forward. So, an an interesting uh, opinion, and like I say, particularly after the, the the census was released. But um, there are a lot of challenges there. I feel that are that are quite deep, uh, and that are going to take more than a, a few months to you know to to really uh, overcome. But. Uh, Tim, I'm, you've been in this industry for longer than I have. I'm sure you've you've got an opinion on it. Do, you know, do you share uh, Kirsty's sentiments? No, I must admit, it did resonate for me. It took me a long time to recognise that myself. I'm 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 an introvert who acts like an extrovert um, in work situations. You know, I've written before about my days in Umbrella. I'd sort of you know happily uh, you know be 
to some extent, the centre of attention at the Mumbrella 360 party. And then I'd clamp my phone to the ear and I'd sneak out the back door and um, I'd be at home on the sofa eating baked beans while most people were still uh, partying away. And I was very happy with that. Um, and I think there are, you know, there, there are lots of people who rise to the occasion like that. And I suppose actually, yeah, maybe some of the lenses I've, you know, I, I have seen the advertising world through in terms of it, you know, making room or not making room for people who, you know, differ from um, the stereotype advertising person are through the events that we used to organise with Mumbrella over the years and just the little insights, you know, it's a, you know, you, it's only when you suddenly think, gosh, are we, are we actually doing enough for the non-drinkers, for instance? You know, when I, you, you, you know, I would then notice that lots of venues who are putting on, and as I say, I see a lot of these through the lenses of organising awards or conferences, you know, lots of the venues you use for awards, they actually charge the organiser by drink consumption. Some do it, you know, by an hourly rate, but by drink consumption. So, of course, they want people to drink alcohol because it's more expensive. So you just have to fight just to have water or soft drinks in the lineup as people walk through the door. You know, there are little things like that or, Little things like there, you know, there, you know, there was one point where I'm, you know, for just found myself sitting at, at my own event under at a point that was incredibly close to, to, to speakers with loud music playing over lunch or over the, the the dinner that you couldn't hear yourself talking to to the people next to you, and again, you know, you almost wouldn't notice if you weren't one of the organisers where you've got to go off and say people at that table can't make themselves heard, particularly, you know, if you had somebody who had any sort of hearing issue at all, they would have really struggled in that environment. Um, you know, you, you have all of these little things, you know, you you, you you go along to your average industry conference or awards um, and think if someone were in a wheelchair, how would they get onto the stage or into the room? Um you know there are you know there there are so many barriers you know or or even the conversations we used to have about okay what are the practicalities of perhaps providing crash facilities at this event so that um, working parents have the opportunity of of, of coming along and, and you know sort of or, or people you know about to return to the workforce um, and I overall I think as an industry you know we're not terribly good at making welcome people who have any of those differences. And those are just snapshots of, you know, people who are apparently different, you know, and that's that that's away from all of the the other issues around kind of diversity and inclusion that we we talked about um uh, kind of last you know last week and in previous um, podcasts. Um how long do you think it will take or will we get there? in creating some sort of culture that is a bit more open, you know, whether it's, whether it's welcoming different people or whether it's welcoming people that, um, you know, sort of um, want a less hierarchical structure. Yeah, look, as a working parent, that last idea of a crash at the um, events was uh, one I would have gotten right behind. But look, I think, I think it's dangerous to put a timeline on it, uh, if I'm honest, which in itself is is somewhat dangerous not to hold the industry to account in terms of a, a timeline. But I think the positive here is that 
that we're talking about it, you know, whether it was to your examples, Tim, you know, we were talking about it at the, you know, at the organizational stage um, of events, um, you know, Kirsty in this opinion piece talking about it now and, and getting it, um, you know, in the limelight a, a bit more. Uh, the next step is obviously action and seeing the, the start of the action. It's all well and good to have the, the census data um, and, and the opinions and acknowledgement of, of the challenges. Um, we've seen small bits of, of action, but now we need to see how long they last and whether they you know start to gain momentum uh, and whether that starts to put pressure on, on other agencies and, and other you know uh, organizations in, in the industry. And hopefully it's the, the snowball effect. The quicker the better. Uh, frankly, but you know, look if you have a look at the um, the stats from the the census, I'm just going to draw out one very quickly, uh, two very quickly, which was yeah, twenty percent of the respondents were likely to leave the industry because of a lack of inclusion uh, and discrimination, uh, and uh, the age group that was most likely to leave was the twenty five to thirty four group. So. If you have a look at that and then you marry that back to, to Kirsty's point of we need to be innovators at the moment, those are the future leaders of this industry and they're the ones saying that they're looking to ship out more than any other group. Probably a good reason to to get a move on, get the skates on and, and really start to see some action in this space. Next, making sense of results season. Lots of data coming from the Northern Hemisphere at the end of last week, Tim, with uh, financial reporting from the big global companies. Now, you covered it in Best of the Week. A little bit of a recap. What have we learned so far? Yeah, and it's worth saying we're only just at the beginnings um, of results season. It doesn't really kick off in Australia for a few weeks yet, but uh, yeah, we've begun to have it out of Europe and out of the US. Um one of the big shocks of last week was um, S4 Capital, the people who own Media Monks, so Martin Sorrell's operation, um, had a massive fall in share price after they signalled that um, they weren't going to make the profit number that the industry thought they would. Um, now, S4 Capital is on a kind of calendar financial year, so effectively they're only halfway through their year. Um not necessarily because of exposure to the economy. I think this one, it feels like um, their costs have blown out far more than they realised. So we, we can only take so many signals from that one, not least because the rest of the signals were, you know, okay, certainly up to now. So Publicis, Omnicom and Interpublic Group, so three of the big holding companies all, all um, had their kind of reports for... Um, you know, for the quarter and for the half just gone. Um, and all okay up to this point. Um, for me, if there was something, it was the quotes. So you, you, you had the quote from publicist CEO was, we're ready to face the ongoing uncertainties caused by the macroeconomic context. So, you know, some worries ahead. Then um, we've got uh, John Rand, CEO of Omnicom, um, talking about managing through the economic headwinds ahead. Uh, and then you go to IPG and um, uh, once again, the CEO of IPG, as we look ahead, we're facing a period of macroeconomic and geopolitical uncertainty. 
Um, so everyone is saying things are a bit of a worry. Now, that was towards the start of the week. Then right at the end of the week, so sort of after we'd knocked off in Australia, um, Snap Inc., the parent company of Snapchat, reported its results. And um, that included that um, its advertising has actually slowed down. Um, not, not, you know, not just that growth isn't as fast as it used to be, that actually slowed down. So during Friday, its share price crashed by 40%, um, which, you know, is obviously a shocking amount. You know, it's, it's at the lowest point since that company floated. Um, but the... The worry is that that signals a wider contagion around what's happening with digital advertising spend, which of course is then a forward indicator for wider advertising spend. Twitter also put out its update for the market um, and uh, advertising struggling with Twitter as well. Um, now, um, they partly blame that on the chaos that Elon Musk has been creating since you know he launched his uh on again, off again, on again, off again. And now we'll have to see in court whether it's a takeover or not. But they also blamed advertising industry headwinds. So this is going to be a really big week because both Alphabet, which is, owns Google, and Meta, which owns Facebook, report this week. Like my instinct is Google will go okay. It just feels like they've got, you know, they're in enough market, enough types of market. Um, that they'll probably go all right and they just dominate that sector so much. Facebook is going to be a really fascinating one and that will set the win. So I think by the end of this coming week, we're going to have a real sense of where the market's going over the next few months. Well, that is it for today. We would love to hear what you think of what we've been talking about at letters at unmade.media. That's letters at unmade.media. And I'll be back tomorrow with uh, the latest Choose data. Well, we'll be looking at the Australian consumption of some of the big tech companies, particularly the social media businesses. So do keep an eye out for that. And there's some very interesting details in it. Now, quick request. If you haven't yet given us a rating in the podcast capture of your choice, please do so. It helps other people to find us. Today's podcast was produced with the usual enthusiastic support of Abe's Audio. See you next time. Toodle pep.